certainly a blessing to understand that truth. You know, so much of the world doesn't understand the difference in eternal deliverance and timely deliverance. And, you know, before I move over and talk just a few minutes uh, on a verse that will actually tie in pretty good with Brother Don's, uh, this idea of the deliverance that came by the hand of Moses or from God through the hand of Moses started long before Moses showed up on the scene. As we've studied back throughout uh, this past number of months and we finished, concluded in Genesis chapter 50, we know that, uh, let me look at what it said. And Joseph, before he died, he, he said uh, in verse 20, when once Jacob had died and they had taken Jacob's bones as he requested back uh, to, the, uh, to the grave that was purchased by Abraham, this, Joseph's brothers felt like, well, th this is the time. Uh, you know, we, we've had it. And actually, at the end of Genesis chapter 50, Joseph prophesies, if you would, that they will be delivered. You know, times were a lot different in, in the days of Joseph. Joseph uh, had dreams, and he interpreted dreams. We all know that he didn't for numerous reasons. Verse 20 of, verse, of chapter uh, 50 says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now, it wasn't nearly as many people as it was when Moses... Uh, by the hand of God, led them out of Egypt. But there were 70 souls that were saved. The entire beginning, you would might say, except for Isaac and, and Abraham, of the children of Israel. This is where that all begun. And you think about Joseph, and, and Don said about, if we would just sing the song of Moses, how God would bless us. Well, I tell you, Joseph sang the song of Moses, and Moses hadn't even lived. You know, he went into Potiphar's house. He, all bad things happened to Joseph. He was cast into a pit. You know, we hear that, we read that verse over in, in the New Testament. I don't know just where it is. It says, he that hateth his brother committeth murder. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, they hated him. And if it hadn't been for one of the brothers, they would have murdered him. That gives you the whole understanding of how bad hatred is. I'm not going to go into that. But they did sell him, and he went down in, and, and uh, he, he's one of the greatest types of Christ in the entire Bible. You know, he was hated of his brethren. Was Christ, Christ was hated of his brethren. He was accused of something that he never did. He was falsely accused. You know, Potiphar's wife declared that he had done something in their house that he never done. But he said, I will not do this wickedness and sin against God. And this is my gospel. I'm not saying it word for word. But this is how the story went. Then he was cast into prison. But numerous times it says the Lord was with him. Why was the Lord with him? Because he was walking with the Lord. He was in touch with the Lord. He was connected with the Lord. And the Lord is more important to him than anything. And God delivered him time, time again to bring about his providence, to bring about his purpose in life. So deliverance has have been something that had God has done, and I believe it's something that God does today if we truly look to the Lord as we should. Don talked a lot about uh, the word believeth. I want to go to John chapter 3, 
And we're going to look at something here a minute. For whom were the scriptures written to? This is really the problem that we see with the two songs he spoke of. Those bringing the song of the Lamb back into the song of Moses and putting some kind of stipulation on you and I that we might one day go to heaven. We might one day be able to be with those that have went on before us. John 3.16 is probably one of the most misquoted and misunderstood verses in all the Bible. We've heard it spoken many times. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, as we begin to, to look at that, Many of them will declare this, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's a big difference. Big, big difference. First of all, the TH, as Don talked about, brings that word into the present, into the present time, right now. And I want you to think about it. I'm going to borrow a... Uh, an example, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind, from Elder Ronald Lawrence. I thought they were a couple of the best ones I've ever seen. If someone was to call my house one day and Sister Suzanne was to answer the phone and ask to speak to Brother Kenny, and she was to extend, we don't talk like this now, but she was to say, he's sleeping. What would, she, what would that mean? That would mean that he's actually in the bed sleeping. He's not getting prepared to go to bed. He's not getting prepared to sleep. He's actually sleeping. Would you call back when he's not sleeping? What if she said, well, he eateth? We don't talk that way today. That literally means he's sitting at the table and he's eating. It's in the uh, present, what do you call it? The present tense, the very present tense. And, and I like what Don said about all three tenses, but in this case it's in the present tense. So this person that believes is one that is already in, in, in the state of believing. Now, it says that God so loved the world. What, what does the world mean there? Do you know, and, and I, I doubt most anybody would, would understand this. First of all, when you, you begin to study the Word of God, if you really want to study it, you need to understand who the writer is and who the writer is writing to and who's being spoken of. Well, we got no doubt who the writer is here. It's Jesus. And he begins early in this chapter. Who's he writing to? He's writing to Nicodemus. But this word world literally just means those that are outside the Jewish people. That's what the world means. Do you know that the word world is spoken of over 80 times in the Gospel of John alone? In the Gospel of John alone. We could take the rest of the morning to prove to you that the word world is not the whole human race. I'll give you two real quick ones. And John said in 1 John chapter 2, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Well, if God loved the entire world, why would he command you and I not to love the world? Those two worlds are not even the same thing. Then you go to John chapter 17 in the high priestly prayer when Jesus said, I pray not for the world. Well, if, if he saved the entire world and Jesus is always talking about the entire human race, why would he tell us not to pray for the world or why would he not pray for that lost world? 
It's important to know who the writer is, who he's writing to, and what's under consideration. There's interesting things as we begin this chapter. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He was a chief ruler of the Jews. Suzanne and I have been watching this show, and I've told a few people if they've got Prime Video, they ought to watch it. I, I, we've only watched about four episodes. It's called The Chosen. Brother Darrell Chambers had told us about this, and it's right now it's, it's got a lot of it's about Peter. Jesus is in it, and it's about Nicodemus. Nicodemus really trying to figure out where all these miracles come from, and I need to watch more of it. It's pretty interesting. I don't know that all things are right in it, but it's something that's worth watching. It's a series. But notice here, everything that God puts in the Word of God is put there for a particular purpose. The same came to Jesus by night. Why would, why, would it, we, why would we be told in the Word of God that He came by night and not by day? Why? Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chiefs of the Jews hated Jesus. They didn't want to be seen with Jesus. But Nicodemus came there to inquire. He wanted to understand some things. He didn't know them all. Notice what he says. Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He knew there was something special about this man, but he didn't understand it. And rather be seen with Jesus openly. You know, you got to understand, Jesus didn't go out and seek him. Jesus, they, he came to Jesus. Jesus wasn't out speaking, spreading some message trying to get, get folks to come to him, as the world tells us today. He came to Jesus, and he came by night. Notice verse 3. This is where Jesus introduces, introduces to Nicodemus the idea of the new birth, the subject of the new birth. And that's what the, most of this chapter is leading up to John 3.16. It's about how we're born of the Spirit of God and have nothing to do with it, just like we had nothing to do with our natural birth. This world that's under consideration is the world of God's elect. It's not the whole human race. It's not. That world, is, it goes beyond the Jewish race, outside of the Jews is what it means. It's just, uh, in orderly arrangements, what the actual word means if you go to the to the Hebrew dictionary. So we want to understand that he, he's speaking to those who've been born or regenerated in John 3.16. That was the entire subject discussed between Nicodemus and Jesus. And he's discussing who this world of people are. It's Jews and it's every kindred, every tongue, every nation, and every people. I'm going to be fairly short, but just on this subject... I want us to think about the Apostle Paul. He wrote nine letters to seven churches. Two to the Corinthian, two to Thessalonica, the church of Thessalonians. He wrote those. But he wrote them, who did he write them to? He wrote them to churches. These were baptized believers on the local order, just like the Lubbock Trinity Baptist Church. He wasn't writing them to the unregenerated. He wasn't writing to, uh, you know, the whole entire human race. He wrote to those particular churches of baptized believers. And people still go on that we can touch some way those who do not 
believe in the Lord. And we'll get a couple more of these. Let's think about the words in 1 Timothy 3 and 16. It says, For all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, it's divinely inspired and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Think about what he just said there. Who is this profitable to? The man of God. It wasn't profitable to make him a man of God. He was already a man of God. All scripture was given for four reasons. For doctrine. For reproof, which is declaration of the truth. I, I declare to you today that's part of what's wrong in the, in, in the religious world in this country, in the Christianity. Paul said, I shun not to declare all the counsel of God. But you have to declare things that people don't want to hear a lot of times. But needless to say, this was to make the child of God perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we know that he's not speaking to the entire human race. Notice back in Acts chapter 13, verse 26. Let's notice how this, Paul addresses these. Men by nature first, brethren by grace, children of the stock of Abraham. That was the Jews. We know who they were among you. And, and, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. So we got men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God. Well, Brother Kenny, what does that mean? What, what, are, you, what are you getting at? Take yourself over to Romans chapter 3 and begin to look at the characteristics and the attributes of the natural man who's not born of the Spirit of God. It says there is no fear before God. They have no fear of God. There's no fear before their eyes of God. And I forget that verse is somewhere around 17, 18 of Romans 3. Matter of fact, just, just for our information, I'll... Let's see, there is no under, none that understandeth. They're all going away. Their throat's an open sepulcher. Who's over his mouth? There is no fear of God. Verse 18, there is no fear of God before the eyes. But here it said, whosoever feareth God. Can't be the same people, can it? It's a group of people that are born of the Spirit of God. It's not the entire human race. Can't be. Again, Paul is addressing those who have already been born of the Spirit of God. You know, a few weeks ago I preached about the Word of God and how, as Brother Don said, the Song of Moses, how it ought to make a difference in our lives, really in our lives. When David said, uh, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It can't be a, leaf, a lamp under your feet and a light to the path that you're going down if you don't read it and then uh, apply it to your life. It can't be. It doesn't just happen. Just like saying, I, I know what's in that song, but I never sang it. There's a lot of meaning in that song. I'm going to get one other and, and, and close. Isaiah 52 in verse 7. It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bring good things of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Keep that in mind. Everybody... Uh, 
loves good tidings. Go with me, if you would, to Luke chapter uh, 2. In verse 10, it says, And the angel, let's get verse 9, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Is that all people without exception? Is that all men without exception? Nope. It's all men without distinction. I can tell you right now, if you'll read on just a little further in, in the Gospel of Luke, you'll find out there was a man named Herod that was very jealous of this young child that was coming into the world, was going to be the king of the Jews. And Herod sent out a decree that all males under two years old be put to death. This is when Moses, uh, Mary and Joseph took Jesus down into Egypt. But it says here that this great tidings tell me to all people. It wasn't to Herod, was it? Understand something. This Bible was written to you and I, to anyone that was born of the Spirit of God. That's who's under consideration. It's not going to make the wicked become children of God. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. For they're foolishness unto him. The world believes you can take the fool who said over in the Psalms, there is no God. And you can turn that fool's life around. The Bible says you can't do it. God can change the fool's mind and his ways, but not you and I. The powers of God are not even in his word. This word is written to instruct us. As it was with the man of God, God or the child of God, it's profitable in all things. That word doctrine means, there, you know, the thing that's under consideration with me today is not so much about salvation by grace. That's important, and I'm thankful we know that. Just as Don said, regardless of whether we follow these other things or not, salvation by grace is important. But there's an outright attack on God's moral law. When you take the homosexuality in this country and the transgender stuff in this country, and I don't mind saying it because God said he created them male and female, end of story. He said that a man and a woman are to unite in marriage and become as one flesh. Sin is sin. I'm not denying that. But we're told in Isaiah chapter 5 that the day will come when they will call evil good and good evil. Friends, we're in that day. God's truth will stand because he never changed. His view of sin has never changed. And I know we want to be politically correct and not stand up on, step on someone's toes, but I'll tell you what, I believe part of the problem of Christianity today is that we don't stand up for the truth because we're afraid that we might hurt somebody's feelings or we're afraid that somebody might even jump on us. What if you had to stand up for the truth today and say the truth, knowing that you might be put to death, would you stand up and, for the truth of God? It could happen. It has happened in the past. Don't think for one minute that it's impossibility in this life not to happen again. Matter of fact, I've come to believe what's been around will come around. The Lord doesn't come back. Matter, and throughout the history of the Bible, it says that. You know, I think so much about do, uh, Isaiah chapter 30 when it says prophesying to us smooth things. Smooth things. Prophesying to us deceits. Fault things that ain't even true. That's what they wanted to hear. And the next verse says, And remove the Holy One of Israel from before us. Now, I don't think we're there yet. But who knows? We might get there. They got there then. 
They wasn't that way when they crossed over the Jordan into the Can uh, land of Canaan, a land that flowed with milk and honey. These were descendants on down the road. My only point is there's nothing new under the sun. And don't think for one minute we can't degrade down into that condition ourselves. The Bible tells us how to follow the Lord, how to worship the Lord, how to raise our children, how to have good marriages, how to be obedient under our bosses as long as it doesn't go against the teachings of God's Word. Anything that you need to, to, to be instructed about, if you'll take the time, you'll find it in God's Word. So many people say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, how much reading have you done? You know, it's easy to listen to the preacher. You know, when I preached on that a few Sundays ago, we talked about the Bereans who were more noble than those at Thessalonica. Why? Because they received the word with all readiness of mind. I made a great point on that. That's a, that's a good sermon. How ready are you when you come to the house of the Lord? Do you bring the world in with you? These folks, were, their minds were ready to hear the word of God preached. And then they went home and spent the rest of the week searching the scriptures where those things were so. tells me we need to search the scriptures daily. Conduct ourselves in a way that God would honor us and that God would continue to bless us. You know, if we'll turn from our wicked ways, God will honor his promises. I have no doubt about it. He said, then will I hear from heaven. If we don't do anything, God won't hear from heaven. And we'll keep going down the road we're going and we know where that leads.